Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. I'm Chase Rolson with Rubline Marketing. This is Jeff Lindsay. This is Michael Pitt. Hey everybody, it's John Dudley from Knock On TV. Hey guys, this is Jared Scheffler from Whitetail Adrenaline. Hi, I'm Taylor Drury from Drury Outdoors. Hey, this is Nick Munt from Bow Collector. Hey, this is Melissa Buckman. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter Podcast. Working Class Bow Hunter Podcast. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter. Working Class Bow Hunter. You're listening to the Working Class Bow Hunter. That's right. This is the podcast for Billy Joe Lunch Bucket, the working man, just like me and you. My name's Travis T. Bone Turner from The Bone Collector. Thank you for tuning in. Nobody pushes the envelope like Working Class Bow Hunter. It's really, really not that good. Welcome to another installment of the Working Class Bowhunter Podcast. God, we're glad Ooh, to have you. Installing shit up. now, huh? Good to have you here. Hopefully, hopefully your season's doing well. Uh, don't get too frustrated if you've still got an unfilled tag. Plenty of time. time. Plenty of time. We're going to oh, cover yeah. some late season stuff. Maybe not this episode, but here on the next few for sure. Um, we probably will this episode. It would apply here. Um, yeah. The going gets a little rough late season for some people. Depends on your property and situation and a lot of things we can't control. But just keep your head in the game. You got this. Keep on keeping on. Uh, first of all, right. thank you for being here. We got new merch on the store. We do. If you want to support us, we also have a Patreon if you want to support us there too. It's all linked in the description of the podcast. Uh, what else? Chandler's uh, traditional archery butt kill is live on our YouTube. If you subscribe to our YouTube, we have a giveaway thing going on. Subscribe and just shows you subscribed in one of our posts. Um, we're picking a winner for an HHA Tetra, a Scent Crusher gear bag, and a working class bowhunter swag pack. Already right, subscribe. It's easy nice. peasy. Pretty. There's our quick announcements. Um, the podcast also always presented by HHA Sports. Uh, code WCB15 to save yourself some money there. Um, also, Scent Crusher, 
absolutely love our scent crusher stuff. That's like my thing. I say absolutely love our scent crusher because we do. We like the gear bags and the roller bags. The gear bag, the gear bag and the roller bag have kind of moved into our number one and two uh, item that we're using. Mm-hmm. Um, At the convenience moment. and you can just take everything with you. Um, warning: scent crusher, ozone, anything. Watch your elastics and rubber and stuff like that in it. That's should be kind of a known thing at this point with all the ozone companies. Um, it's not a scent crusher thing. It's an ozone thing. Yep. Um, so just keep that in mind. Um, just what I do, if I have an elastic waistband, I'll pull it out of the zipper and zip it up to it. And then just don't yeah. run the, the cycle on the waistband. And it takes a while. I mean, it's not like one, one cycle is going to ruin your elastics. You know, I've had yeah. the same pair of my base layers that have been running through there since we started mm-hmm. with scent crusher. And yep. they're just finally starting to go. So. Over how many years? Three, four years? Yeah. Yeah, I don't – so I don't kill it either. Like, I don't run 14 cycles a day or something like that no. when I'm hunting. I, I don't feel like you need to do it that much. You know, you know if you're out hanging a stand and it's 80 degrees and you're sweating right, like right. crazy, you know, yeah, maybe then you need to do a quick cycle. But you don't need to run a 30-minute cycle every time you get back to your truck or nope. anything like that. Like, you can get away with just run run cycles as needed, be efficient with yeah. it. Um, you You don't need to overdo it. It's effective stuff. Um, Scentcrusher.com, uh, super thankful for that partnership. Been a partner for a long time. Um, Loophole Optics, we're all rocking. Loophole Rangefinders, of course, uh, number one, one of the number one tools for bow hunters besides our bow, I think, nowadays. Yep. Um, all all of us are rocking 10 by 42s yep. for binos. Um, check out Loophole Optics. Gator Outdoors, uh, gatoroutdoors.com, code WCB10. They are a lifestyle and apparel company pretty much now. Um, great stuff. Local to us here in the Midwest, out of Bellevue, Iowa. Um, good people, great customer service. Right now, you can still get like your Scent Crusher stuff, so that code WCB10 works for all that. Um, HHA, they're a dealer for like all the top brands. So check out Gator Outdoors. Um, also, Big Time. Heck, Big time. The, the time of this recording, we're going to hang out with the Big Time boys, Eric, me and That's Eric right. are. Um, going up this weekend. Yep. Uh, we're going to do some hunting in Indiana, some late season hunting. Um, we're going to focus on the big time food plot areas where we're going. Uh, but yeah, we have a code WCB2020, save you some money on everything at big time. It's pretty cool. And old barn taxidermy. Golly, they've been busy. They're doing, uh, deer processing. Now they're at a tannery. They have all sorts of things. They're some of the yeah, best in the be business so bears. What's that? They're going to be so busy. Yeah. They got good people working for them. True. Now. Oh, you know, yeah. They're efficient. It's an impressive operation. It, it really is, is man. It is. It's, it's kind of cool. cool to go through that whole, all the buildings and stuff, and see how everything works. That is cool too. Yeah, and they'll show you, man. If you go there and you take a, if you take a deer head there, by the way, and say you're a working class listener, they'll enter you in the working class pot to uh, win a deer head for next year. So, boom. How boom. confident are you? Go in cocky. Bring your deer head there. Yeah, be like, go in cocky. Put me in that drawing because I'm going to win one for my yeah. mom. I killed. Might as well just give it to me now. Yeah, just <laughs> you want to pick my name, and uh, I'll just. Bring that 160 in like October 15th. So we'll see you then. <laughs> yeah. Old Barn Tax. <laughs> that's good. Yeah, it's like, damn, real good. You got a veteran shout out? I do. This was uh, submitted by Angela Brewer, and uh, the veteran is Robert Brewer. He was in the Air Force, and it says short and sweet. So it just says, Robert's been a fan since day one, and it says thank you. So thank you for your service, Robert. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks, man. Thanks, Robert. Thanks for listening since day one. I mean, can't be I don't know why he's still listening, <laughs> but he's still here with us. I'll crack a beer for you, buddy. <laughs> Cheers, yeah. buddy. Yeah, appreciate it, man. That's awesome. Uh, veteran shout-outs are workingclassbowhunter.com at our contact tab, and you can submit a veteran shout-out there. Cool, boys. Well, what's new? Everybody doing good? Yeah. 
Yeah, doing good. We have myself in the studio, Kurt Geyer. Yep, Eric Hammond here. Doug Schmidt. Austin Chandler. A.K.A. the Lord. I'll do yep. it for you. The Lord. <laughs> it's weird if you do it, but it's fitting. To yeah, it's yeah. I, I just expect you to follow it up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Doug and I are in a little break right now because it's shotgun season in Iowa, so we're kind of right. on a break from bow season. Right. Which sucks, but oh, it's kind of nice yeah. at the same time, hunting hard, and now I kind of... Yeah, yeah. Kind of relax a little bit, you know. Yeah, how, yeah. how many days are the, is the gun season over there in Iowa? Uh, first season just ended, and then shotgun will be two weekends. I think then, it opens back up like the 19th or something. Yeah, 18th. And you then, can't um, bow hunt at all during that time frame? No. Why? Well, I don't get it. Why? I don't, I don't know. know. That's just how it is. <laughs> <laughs> it is what it is, you know? I don't know. But uh, Whatever, then... man. Uh, the, was it 21st? Late yep. muzzleloader starts? 21st is when, and that's when you can start bow hunting again. You can bow hunt during that. Yep. Okay. Yep. So you guys have till the 21st. Yep. Yeah. That's, Dang. That's stupid. Yeah. Like a two week break. I always got it figured out. I don't know. Just cancel it. Cancel gun season altogether. You don't need those. <laughs> just kidding. I mean, Do it, it would help a lot because some of the lot. pictures I've seen are just tiny little bucks stacked up in pickup trucks and yeah just it is what it is. you can group hunt technically in iowa can't you yeah party hunt they call party it. hunt party yeah. hunt yeah uh, is that legal in like wisconsin now I, I i don't know for sure can you do it is that can you do it in illinois no no oh, you can't because so that, your tag's just your tag right yeah oh yeah unless you're fucking shady <laughs> but um that's so like if we all hunted together and i when we were doing a party hunt and we did like a deer drive, and I shot a deer. I could use your tag. You'd have to uh, if you if you already shot a deer, and say we're party hunting. You could still go with us and shoot another one, and I could put my tag. I'd have to put my tag. Even a buck. Yep. So I could kill how many deer could I do that with? Say we I went out with thirty people and I filled my tag already with my. If bow. you have thirty people and you have one tag left, thirty people can go out. Are you serious? Yeah. Some holes in that game. <laughs> It's it's weird. I mean, you're going to tell me that goes smoothly every year and there's no foul play with any of it. You know what I mean? Oh, there's yeah, got to be. It'd be hard to track. Damn. It's weird for sure. I don't like that. I'll, yeah, I never really liked the party hunting I part feel, of it. That but. surprises me from Iowa. That I can see like Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Michigan doing some shit like that. Eric and I were just talking about the doe problem that he's got too i mean you said the ratio is not even close to one to one no and they're limiting no. the number of doe tags in his county big time what'd you say like 200 tags there's two right at 200 tags for in the Scott en- county for the entire county entire county and that's for every season so that's archery both shotguns and light muzzleloader why do you, do you have any idea i don't know why they do that or how they come up with that number but scott county has always been right around that 200 mark and I know, I know Muscatine County used to be pretty high, and they dropped it a few years ago. Yeah. We need to get some sort of official that knows about that. Yeah, or a we biologist. need to talk to a biologist. Anybody that knows anybody from Iowa, game warden, the biologist. Because there's actually, like, you know, the rule book you can get every year yeah. from the DNR. There's a map in there that shows every county and how many doe tags are in each county. And some of them southern states are, like, you know, 3,000 doe tags, 2,000. Yeah. They're... Those higher numbers, but up where we're at, it's super low. So, Austin, I don't know if you know how many does can we shoot in Illinois? I've as never many, as many as you have a tag for. That's what I thought. Like, mm-hmm. we, like we can just keep going and you buy can, them. Yeah, you can go out and buy an over-the-counter doe tag and keep whacking them. I could. Uh, yeah, that's weird. I, I hope I'm correct on that. Well, I've never. <laughs> that's what I've always done. <laughs> well, I mean, if you can keep buying them, yeah, I've I've never been limited on the number of does I've shot. I've shot seven or eight does in one season before. Yeah. Now, when you buy one doe tag, is the next are the next ones after that cheaper? 
No. Are they all the same they're price? The same. No, they're all like 15 bucks. but I think you can go yeah. and buy four or five at a time if you want to. I think I'm, you can. I might be able to buy 20. I've never tried it. When See, I buy my tags, I buy all the tags I think I'm going to use for the year initially. Like, mm-hmm. So what I mean is like I buy their combinations in either sex and an antlerless. Right. Yeah. So I buy two of those because yep. I can shoot two bucks. Yeah, if you happen to have two bucks come by in the same set, you're legal to shoot both yep. bucks. I buy all the tags that I expect to use right then because I don't want to shoot a 160 – and then have another huge buck come in and be able to shoot him in the same spot and then be like, oh, i got to go buy a tag. Yep. You know, that sucks. See, in Iowa, you just have to watch that other one go. Yeah, which most one we buck. only get one buck tag. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you can kill one with a bow and one with a gun. Yeah, yeah. right, right. Hmm. Hmm. Which is weird, too, because I was telling Chandler, too, like uh, our tags go on sale, what is it, August 15th? Something like that. August or September 15th, whatever, one of the two. And this year, I set my alarm for midnight, and I woke up, got on the DNR app, yeah. and I had to buy a doe tag at midnight, or else they're sold out by 8 o'clock in the morning. That's freaking crazy. Shouldn't be that hard to shoot a doe if you want to go out and shoot a doe. I mean, I could see if there's, like, an issue with the ratio getting close to a one-to-one. They're wanting to kind of limit the number of yeah. does. But if you're seeing seven or eight does to a buck, like, why not, why not <laughs> give the guy an opportunity to... You know, Shoot take some of those does down. It's helping the farmer. It's helping insurance companies. I mean, it's helping everybody. Yeah, exactly. I don't get it. I don't. I don't get it either. How they come up with it. It'd be nice to figure that out to see the reasoning. Well, maybe all that. you know us talking about it. One of our listeners has to know, or maybe we can reach out and try and find somebody that would know a little more. Well, you can. Um, you can contact the DNR and they can come out and check and give you depredation tags where you can shoot. I forgot how many we got one year, but you could shoot like almost as many does as you wanted. Oh, because of, Illinois of all the damage they're too. doing and stuff. The yep. crop. A farmer can we had it, it one year. I'm trying to remember the name of what Illinois calls it, but you nuisance can get it in permit. Illinois, too. Yeah, it's like a nuisance permit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, There was a guy. So w- when I was young, we're going to get on to the podcast here, but when I was younger, honey, I hunted in Fulton County, and this was a rumor, and we don't know any of it to be factual. The neighbor to the property we hunted got a nuisance permit is what the rumor was, and I heard you could shoot him with anything, with does or anything, with a, whatever you want at any time. If you have a nuisance permit. Now, I don't know if that's true. Hmm. I wasn't a part of it, but that was like the conversation I remember the guys So, having. like, you could shoot it with a rifle or whatever you want yeah. in the middle of the night if you wanted to. Kind of yeah. like coyotes. Like, if you had 50 does out there tearing up your beans, like, that farmer could go out and shoot them. Now, I don't know if that's true. It might have just been, like, during daylight hunting hours you could shoot them. But right. it was like almost like it was a coyote. It was like there were nuisance. Damn. Like, you could go out and shoot them. I don't know. I have to look into that and see. I never heard any like shots at night or anything that made me believe that, but I was young, you know, I was probably thirteen, fourteen when right, those right. guys were talking about that. So hmm. um I don't know. Interesting. What the anybody that knows like an Illinois conservation officer, an Iowa conservation officer that would want to do a podcast or a biologist would be really cool. Or a retired one or something. I mean, we'd have anyone yeah. in. Anybody that's in the loop into current events would be yes. cool. Yes. I've always wanted to that's do up that. to date. Yeah, it's kinda hard to I mean, they're busy. Yeah. And they're limited. There's not that many around in our area, in, in Illinois anyway. There's not that many around. Uh, not in Iowa either. Probably because we're broke. <laughs> Illinois. Yeah. I know they hire, like, help during hunting season yeah. and, like, boating season when shit's yeah, busy yeah. and stuff. But Huh. Interesting stuff. Well, cool. I mean, maybe we'll have a follow-up podcast, and that's interesting topics for sure. It, yeah. It'd be good to do that. So any listeners that can help us out, that'd be, that'd be greatly appreciated. So let's get on with our guest here and get into the podcast. Um, this is going to be a lot for you eastern hunters we're kind of hitting 
some of your guys' uh, home ranges here with our guests. So hopefully you guys enjoy. Thank you for all the feedback on the Buck episodes. We asked, you know, if you like the Buck episodes, if you want us to change it up, um, we're going to get some people outside of our initial circles, start to do some different interviews and stuff like that here in the future. So feel free to reach out if you think you're worthy to be on the working class bow on it. If you can handle it. We're not worthy. Yeah, if you can handle it. Um, We, you know, we're months out on all this stuff. So, um, that's what it takes. You got to start planning now. So anyway, hope you enjoy the podcast. Thanks for listening. All right. We are on with our guests and somehow females tend to keep coming on our show. I don't know why they give us a chance. Rachel Bushak. She said Bush AK. So that's what, that's how we say her last name. <laughs> like Bush light the beer. So we figured that out a long time right. ago. Right. I've read that, that can a lot. Um, <laughs> Rachel, what's up? Thanks for joining the show. Hey, thanks for having me. So tell people who you are and where you're from. That way people can, you know, get familiar with the space. Yeah, I'm from northwestern Pennsylvania. So if you think about the shape of Pennsylvania, it's just that corner way up by Lake Erie, almost in Ohio, almost in New York. Um I've hunted my whole life, born and raised here. Um, just eat, sleep, breathe, everything hunting. So I've been a long time listener. I'm glad to finally be talking to you guys. Well, it's glad to have. I'm glad to have you here. Um, you are on Team Working Class officially now, mm-hmm. so thank you for being a part of that and and all the support along the years. One so, of us. One uh, of yeah, us. One of us. You're, <laughs> you're part of the cult, so that's cool. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I don't know why you want me, but, uh, you know, I'm not a big buck killer. I've hunted Pennsylvania most of I, I really just hunted, started hunting out of state the last couple of years. So, yeah. you know, all the bucks I've killed are Pennsylvania, which, you know, if you know anything about Pennsylvania, it's hard to kill a good, good buck here. But um happy to be part of the team. Well, I want to talk about Pennsylvania here because we have a lot of listeners out there, and we'll get into that in a second. Um, but first, we want to know a little bit more about you. I mean, how did you get into hunting? Was this something? And and don't punch me through the phone, but I'm playing. What guys are going to think when they hear you talking is that your husband or boyfriend or whatever got you into it. You know what I mean? Like there's that like mentality. that thought process yeah. or mentality in the hunting community with different personalities and shows and blah, blah, blah goes on and on, you know? Yeah. No, I've hunted since, I mean, I was a little kid. My dad got me into it, really. Um, my dad's a bow hunter. I didn't bow hunt as a kid. I didn't bow hunt until I was an adult. But my dad got me into hunting as a kid, hunting, fishing, camping. Like, that's all we did growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I gun hunted from, I mean, at that time, you had to be 12 to gun hunt in Pennsylvania. So I gun hunted from age 12 on. Um, I didn't bow hunt until I was an adult really because, and I don't know why, I don't, I don't know that I ever even thought about it because, and I, I mean, I don't know if it's cause I was, I'm small, like I'm only five foot. I'm, I don't even think I'm five foot tall with boots on. I don't know. I haven't measured myself <laughs> lately. Not that that's an excuse. Like I never let my height be an excuse. Like I always work harder because of it, but, um, I don't know. I just never thought about bow hunting growing up, even though my dad did it, um, I I guess I just didn't see other women doing it. You know what I mean? Like, we yeah. grew up in the country. Like, we didn't even have cable TV growing up. So it's not like I watched women hunting on TV. Um, the it was influence already, like, wasn't really there, like, from a young age. Like, n- ignore internet influence. The influence in general just wasn't there, it sounds like. but Right. I mean, I was already weird enough being, like, the tomboy at school that, like, skipped school to go hunting. Um so I didn't get into bow hunting and I'm kind of glad I didn't because I don't think I'd have the job I do today. Like I, I know if I bow hunted when I was younger, just knowing how like dedicated I am to it, I wouldn't 
done as good at school and stuff. So I luckily, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, luckily, I, I, I mean, as nerdy as it sounds, like I studied hard, I got a good job, and um, which, you know, led to me being able to now have a lot of time to hunt. Like I work from home. I have a pretty flexible schedule. As long as I get my shit done at work, I can hunt when I want to hunt. So I probably spend as much time in the woods now as, you know, in one year as as most people get two in five years. So I'm really fortunate. It's just because of the job I have. That's very cool. How old were you when you started bow hunting? Um, late 20 i'm 34 now so i mean i really haven't been bowing that long and i and really why i picked it up well i mean a couple of things but my job brought me to the city and i was living like in the suburbs and commuting to the city and getting all dressed up and you know every day and, and realizing like i'm living a life it's just like it's not me. It feels like someone else's life and i and i at the time i'm like i just have to sacrifice what i want to do in my personal life for what I want to do in my job because you know my parents just I always saw how hard they worked and they they were always like you you know you gotta get a good job and so I sacrificed a lot to have a good job but then I just wasn't happy and mm-hmm. you know I'm living in the city and I'm like I have nobody I can relate to and I'm like how can I have like the job I want but also the life I want and you know I talked to my uh my boss at work and he let me work from home. He's like, you can live wherever you want to live as long as, you know, you get your job done and you, you know, travel for client meetings when you got to meet with clients. So I ended up moving back to my hometown and bought a house near my family um, and the property I grew up hunting and stuff. And, and then I had all this free time where, you know, I could pick up a bow and I just, I kind of, I don't do anything like half ass, you know, like if I, if I'm going to do it, I, dive deep into it and so Mm -hmm. immediately like I started and I'm like a math numbers person like that's what I do for a job is is really math I do predictive modeling Mm -hmm. um I'm an actuary which like no one's ever heard of but it's all like risk analysis and predictive modeling and using like historical data to predict future events and I do it in healthcare healthcare costs um predicting future healthcare costs for my clients but um it really relates to bow hunting, right? Like, you know, you're using all this historical data to try to figure out what it's, what a deer is going to do. Yeah, that's and true. I was like kind of like, how's that relate to bow hunting? And then you're like, see, boom, I'm smarter than you. And I'm like, wow, all right. <laughs> my sh- wage well, rate no. couldn't, couldn't think that fast. <laughs> my wage brain's like trying, it sounds like dial up over here, just trying to keep up with you just saying <laughs> simple right. things. She's good, she's good at using scenarios to predict what's going to happen in the future so i can see where that would come in handy very cool very interesting strategy oh my gosh you should see my files uh i mean my husband thinks i'm such a nerd because it's like our computer nothing but organized files of deer pictures like by year by location and then i've got excel file that says like you know wind speed pressure moon phase all these <laughs> wow. all these different things so yeah so like when the juries rolled out deer cast i'm like oh my god i have to know that algorithm so like mark if you're listening i need to know that like i literally that's what i do in my head all the time well i'm sure we could get you connected <laughs> that uh yeah that's a good idea no, you actually. could do that for a living just organizing yeah, people's could. shit and Keeping track of deer and stuff. Yeah. yeah. Just file people's trail cam photos for yeah. them and help them figure some shit out. That's yeah. right. There's a business there. Uh, I, I would love that. But yeah, I mean, that's, so I got into 
with work, I got to a place where they let me work from home. You know, I traveled like pre COVID. I traveled all the time to meet with clients, but luckily lately I don't have to travel at all. It's just nice. So, you know, I work from home and I can hunt when I want. And I, you know, I picked up a bow and I just instantly fell in love and it's just become my life like year round 365 days a year we're doing something bow hunting it actually that's how I met my well I don't want to say that's how I met my husband because um I probably knew him since I was like three or four but we just never actually connected until I started bow hunting and he messaged me like hang on a shoot bow sometime and now we're married so that was where it all began. <laughs> I remember you sharing a picture of the two of you when you were extremely young in deer camp together. And yeah. you, did his dad know your dad? Or they shared hunting camp together or something like that? Yeah. So his dad, oh, we live in a real small, like, one stoplight town. His dad owned a little sporting goods store in town. And he worked there all growing up. Um you know, working on bows and stuff. So my, and my dad was always a bow hunter. So they just kind of knew each other from the sporting goods store in town. And every year, the day before gun season in Pennsylvania, my grandpa had a big poker party, invited all the friends, family, neighbors, and, you know, get in a buck pool and stuff. And so um, we were the only two kids at that poker party. I have a picture of it where I'm probably, I don't know, eight years old. He's a couple years older than me. He's probably 11. And we're sitting there playing poker and uh, just the night before deer season. And it's funny because now we're married. So That's, That's awesome. cool. That is cool. That's very yeah. cool. What, it's kind of cool to hear all this background and kind of, every you know, your, your come up into the hunting, I guess. It's super interesting. And it just goes to show, I mean, that hunting culture is still in the Midwest. But it shows it's a maybe, I would say it's arguably a little deeper out east uh, when it comes mm-hmm. to like the – I mean, it's also my perspective, right, of, like, what I did. Like, the gathering type, yeah. everybody together party. I think, like, party. Wisconsin, PA, yep. like, out That's east. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Michigan Wisconsin, and PA, shit like that. that. That runs deep. People have done that. I mean, that's their livelihood. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Well, for sure, gun season. I mean, like, lately, the last two years, Pennsylvania made a change where gun season always started the Monday after Thanksgiving. And they changed that two years. Our last year, 2019 was first year think um where it started the saturday after thanksgiving so you had saturday and actually this year they let us hunt sunday which was like a huge change um and people went crazy about it they're like upset and it's like well you get more time to hunt yeah why are you uh, upset? Wait, but upset about because, getting sunday to hunt yeah because they're well be, from moving it from monday to saturday in the first place because they're what they like doing and i, I feel bad saying they because like i'm I'm one of them, but, um, is Friday after work, you know, driving to their deer camp or whatever, spending Saturday, Sunday, getting shit ready, getting their gun, sighting in guns, getting stands ready. And then Monday is the opener and they liked that tradition. And I thought you were going to say getting shit faced. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. No, well that too. But I mean, it's just funny that people got so upset about it. And it's like, literally they're giving you more time to hunt. If you don't want to hunt those days, don't hunt those days. Yeah, but, you can still drive to camp and get ready and go hunt on Monday if you want to. I think, that, but uh, it's, it ruins that opening day feeling probably, oh, well, right? I'm sure it does. I'm sure, but I mean, now as a bow hunter, I mean, growing up, I would have loved it. But now as a bow hunter, it just makes me cringe because it's like, okay, more time for the gun hunters to kill everything. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about, since we're on the topic and we have a, a lot to talk about, let's talk about 
hunting Pennsylvania because we're kind of already at that like I guess yeah. the grassroots start of it like mm-hmm. kind of um like growing up in there it just sounds like the culture is a lot super involved um the the not hunting on Sunday was always interesting to me because that's not a thing we even think about here in the Midwest um I probably wouldn't even know about it if we didn't do the podcast, no, to be honest with true. you. Me either, except unless I saw like a Facebook post or something right, random like right. that. Um, I mean, give us an overview, because I hear good and bad from Pennsylvania. I think the more we do the podcast, we hear how hardcore Pennsylvania hunters are. They're passionate. It's their lives. They live it. That's, I would say, 90% of encounters I have on the internet or listener interaction. That's what I feel uh, Pennsylvanians mm-hmm. are hardcore. Awesome listeners, big supporters, which is why we have a working class Pennsylvania hat. Um, that we sell the most of out of it every is the state most, combined, I think. It is the number one oh, selling. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. that's awesome. Thanks, Pennsylvania. Um, Pennsylvania is so awesome. You, there's that side of it, and then there's the side of Pennsylvania. And I'm not saying this. This is what the feedback I've seen <laughs> for the record. I don't want to upset our Pennsylvania crowd. We'll start burning shit. Um, that it, Pennsylvania sucks. It hard, it's hard to hunt. Hey, we get a lot of offers to hunt Pennsylvania, which maybe one day we'll go out east and hunt. But right now I'm trying to, like, knock off, like, the other species bucket list before I go. I'm trying to go the other way. Go somewhere else. I'm going the other way right now. <laughs> um, and, I, Rachel, I know you can relate to that. but um, Lots of pressure, I think. Yeah, nice. lots of pressure, big, big hardwoods. Deer aren't as big usually in certain spots. I mean, what's your experience? And can you kind of break down all those... Because isn't it kind of divided, like, part of the state is big hardwoods and some of the other part is, like, Mm -hmm. ag and, like, that's where you get in the cornfields and stuff? Yep. So, I'm in the western part of the state where there is a lot of ag, but, I mean, having hunted, I have hunted Illinois once, and uh, having having been to the Midwest, at least, I'll say even our ag fields are so tiny compared to the Midwest. Um, but yeah, this like central part of the state or like the more mountainous areas, it's just big woods. But where I hunt, it's kind of a mixture. There's some ag fields, there's a lot of timber. Um, but it is, it's, it's smaller properties. There's a lot of pressure. There's so many hunters. Um, last I knew, Pennsylvania had the highest hunter density by far in the U.S. And it's just, and it's not only that, but I don't know. I feel like, Maybe you're talking to me at a bad point because we're in the middle of gun season. <laughs> so you're feeling feisty getting, is what you're saying. <laughs> I'm getting pissed off because there's just deer drives every day. And it's like deer you've hunted and tried to pattern and watch all year. It's just getting killed by anyone who goes out and buys a tag and just walks through the woods. And I mean, nothing against that because honestly, that's how I was raised. That's how I started out. But I've, you know, once you get into bow hunting, you're like, you just look at things a lot differently. Yeah. And especially because I feel like a lot of people around here, I get, I get the comments a lot that archery hunting is unethical because they don't, like the deer don't die as fast. There's a lot of deer wounded. And it's like really half you gun hunters. And I say you, and I don't want to say that because I still gun hunt. I have nothing against gun hunting. I killed a, a buck with a gun this year, actually. Um, but a lot of gun hunters, like, they don't, they shoot running deer because they're doing deer drives. They don't follow up on their shots. Um, they probably hit a lot of deer that they think they missed. Yeah, exactly. And I go out shed hunting in the spring, and I find all sorts of dead deer, and it's their gunshot wound, you know? And it's, mm-hmm. so, 
I don't know. Uh, that That's a little frustrating. I don't want to go, like, off the deep end on, on. on negativity. Let's dive in. <laughs> Just dive in. But, Do it. It's, it's a really hard state to hunt, but I like that because I think it's made me a better hunter, right? Like, I've learned I hunt to avoid people as much as I hunt to find deer. If we that just makes sense. we Chandler just brought this up, and we just talked about this a few podcasts ago and off the podcast. There's that's a big, big tactic, and something a lot of people I don't think consider, especially in pressured areas. Yeah, um, I mean, there's a I, okay. So the other thing is trespassing isn't very well enforced, and I know that they're doing a lot to try to um, help with that. It was. I don't know, the stupid purple paint. Well, you can't even see the purple paint. I don't know why they picked purple. We have that too. But um, trespassing, it just people don't care. They're like, hey, I hunted this property for 40 years. And I'm like, yeah, well, I own it now and I hunt it, you know? And <laughs> right. I get shit stolen every I get shit stolen every single year. Um, I don't know. It's just frustrating. But I, I, I love it at the same time. I mean... But lately, like, I've hunted a lot by permission um, where, you know, maybe a 40-acre piece and six people have permission or something like that. And um, it's tough because I might have a giant buck on camera there, but there's so many other people hunting it that it's like I would rather hunt my own land in peace and quiet, even though I know I don't really have a good buck on camera, you know, just because mm-hmm. hunting shouldn't be that stressful. <laughs> like, right, yeah. um, I mean, if the deer stress you out, that's one thing, but I just, to have so many other hunters stealing your shit or I went to get in my stand. It wasn't there. I was in my stand and I, I looked down and there's some other hunter trying to climb in it. And I'm like, hello, I'm here. Um, <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> yeah. I would lose I mean, my mind. <laughs> I'd be in prison. <laughs> I'd be killing people. I mean, oh gosh, you here's. I'll, I'm gonna go there because, I mean, Dive. Whatever. Dive. Um, whatever. When I was 14, I almost quit hunting because we. I was part of a deer drive, and I watched a guy get his hat shot off his head. No shit. Um. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, and they, um, they fucking laughed about it, you know. And I'm like, I hit the ground because I heard bullets flying, and I was just, I was shaking, I was crying. My dad's like, I said, I'm never hunting again. My dad said, no, no, we're just, we're only going to hunt with people we know and trust and things like that. So, I mean, it's sad, but there's just a lot of that shit that goes on out there. With that, too, though, it's, and I know situations like that probably happen, I was going to say they probably don't happen as often as you think, but they probably happen more often than actually get talked about. Yeah, you don't hear about it. You know, between, like, a story like that, People on deer drives, and that's going to lead us into a segment here. And I was waiting. This is probably a perfect time. But, like, from my crossbow incident this year about getting shot, literally, mm-hmm. you know, on private ground by a neighbor hunting the line. Like, it's you just – there's the hardcore community that loves and cares about hunting and the ethics and all that. And I think that's all of us here, and I think it's 99.9% of our listeners – and it's the people that just go out willy-nilly, it's not a big deal, whatever, and they lack ethics. They don't know to have a certain level of ethics when you're hunting live animals. That kind of just make you, I don't know, they make you just want to freak out. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know mm-hmm. who to freak out on because <laughs> it just makes you, like, it's it's ridiculous. Like, that shouldn't be something that happens, you know. It's, right. Um, I mean, I'm sure people get killed every year during 
drives and just random hunting accidents or hunting accidents. Well, I remember shot. growing up. I mean, I grew up just like Rachel did, gun hunting. I didn't get into bow hunting until later, but I remember, you know, if you were sitting, you were standing, always make sure you're standing behind a tree. Yeah. And you'd hear slugs whiz by you. You know, it's scary when you hear them. Mm. It's not a good sound. No, it's, it's never creepy had that as happen. fuck. Oh, it's scary. <laughs> never had it happen. Well, that. So, PA, man. <laughs> PA is. Uh, it's sounding. So, I see big bucks come out of PA, and then I see, like, what I expect to come out of PA on the internet. Um, well, that's where. I mean, that's where I, I did want to say, like, PA put in an antler restriction. Oh. I don't know, 20, maybe close to 20 years ago. I've been hunting oh, 22 wow. years. And when I first started hunting, there was no antler restriction. And we shot, if it's brown, it's down. You know, we're we're filling the freezer. And now, so it varies by unit. So it's almost like a Western state where we have different units. I'm in unit 1B. That's not giving away a lot because that's all of northwestern Pennsylvania. <laughs> um, so I'm not going to get more detailed than that. Like, not that I'm a big bug killer, but I think people around here, I've done really well for myself in Pennsylvania. Um, but in 1B, you basically have to have three up. It's called a three up rule. So it's either an eight point with brows or a six point with no brows. I mean, or I guess a half rack, but as long as it has three off coming off the main beam on one side. Um, so, you know, for the most part, you're talking probably a two year old. I mean, it's sad though. Cause even like a three year old is a good target for Pennsylvania. Like we consider a three year old a mature buck. Like I know in the Midwest you don't, but mm -hmm. they don't really get older than that here very often. Right. And so a three year old here, like a three year old hundred inch buck, is that that's not a bad buck, really? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's a hard goal to say I want to kill a three-year-old Pope and Young every year. I mean, it just doesn't it it doesn't happen. Yeah, um, and we're getting sense. there though. I've seen that's the thing. I've seen the improvements over the past twenty years. That was my um, next question: is like, are these antler restrictions really doing a lot? Because I'll be honest, for Illinois, that would not do anything for us. I don't think. Oh, absolutely. No. A three I, up. I think it does. I mean. I, I ne okay, I never saw, like, back when I first started hunting, a 100-inch buck was a huge buck. And I'm not saying that because I was a kid, but you just didn't see them getting killed very often. And, I mean, I don't know, because, like, hunter numbers declined, too, so that could be part of it. It's just mm -hmm. we're killing less deer. But um, now, I mean, people are, I, you see them more frequently. It's not that they weren't there before, because, yes, like, there were giant bucks killed back then in Pennsylvania, but not very often. And now mm -hmm. it does happen pretty often. Um, my dad, and it's funny, it's like my dad who, you know, loves hunting, taught me pretty much everything I know about hunting. Um, you know, he laughs at me, like I'll come out of the stand and I call him every night. Like, what did you see? What did you see? And I'll send him pictures or videos of bucks that I pass and he just loses his shit. Like, <laughs> I can't believe you passed that buck. I'm like, dad, it's like a hundred inch buck. But that's a, that's a good, he's still used to that. That's a really good buck, you right, know, for right. Pennsylvania. Kind of stuck so, in his ways a little bit. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you would say with confidence that from your experience, the antler restrictions are working. Absolutely. I, do, I'm curious to see, um, we're at Illinois is a two buck state. Um, with archery 
Chandler, do you think with an antler restriction like that, do you think it'd do any good for us? I mean, there's not an easy way to do it. If we had like a, say, an eight point, like four points on each side restriction, I mean, one year old, there's so many one year old deer that have, that's a four by four, eight point buck. Like, there's no way that a that a point restriction could help us. Now, if, I mean, there, and there's no way to enforce like an age, age structure, which is what we would need. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't think can't it would really like, do anything for us. I think the the yeah. biggest thing Illinois could do is probably drop it down to one buck tag. That'd be the biggest thing that could help Illinois. Yeah. And I don't even think forever though. Like, no, if they did it for three or four years, you'd see a yeah. big jump in oh, quality. Yeah. yeah. Six so years. Too. Yep. I mean, even then that might be a stretch, but yeah, three or four years for sure. It takes three years to make a great, great rack. Part of me doesn't want it because I enjoy shooting two big bucks, but the yeah, other part of me would be like, damn, what's it going to be like when my son's able to hunt, you know, it'd be crazy. Right. Yeah, yeah because I, I think of all the one-year-old bucks that are like nice little eight points. Or, or the mm-hmm. 150s that we shoot now because we can go out and get another tag and wait on the 160. You know, mm-hmm. what would you That's pass? Right. There'd be a lot more Boone and Crockett's oh, in Iowa and sure, Illinois dude. if that was the case. Well, in Illinois especially being, you know, because I'll tell you, like, one of my bucks probably wouldn't have got shot. Yep. You know, um, but it all depends, man. It, it's all situational. But for the most percentages, yeah. It's interesting. That, well, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Well, the other thing I think, I hunt Ohio now as well, which I'm actually only like a half an hour from Ohio, from northeastern Ohio. Um, And I notice a big difference even between PA and Ohio. And it's like, how can the genetics be that different when you're only a half an hour apart? But I think a lot of it has to do, too, with their seasons. Like, I wish we would match Ohio seasons. They have an archery season that goes from basically the end of September until the beginning of February, never goes out. But they're, more importantly, like their gun season is basically a week-long shotgun season, and then there's another couple days in there. But ours is a two-week rifle season, and that's a big difference. Like, And, I mean, I don't know. Maybe not because now a lot of people – I think a lot more people in Pennsylvania are killing their bucks in archery because we made crossbows legal for everybody. Mm-hmm. So may, maybe taking away the rifle doesn't really do much. But a two-week rifle season is just – uh, I just like cringe a being a bow hunter. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it's funny how, you know, how you mentioned growing up, you know, it's kind of just like the tradition. That's the way it is. But like once you start bow hunting and dedicating your time and energy, you almost like you care for the animals a different way. Oh, absolutely. Like you don't want to see them shot on a full blast run and get their leg blown off and have to have five follow up shots and. You know what I right. mean? Bullets are whizzing by ten-year-old yeah. kids on the other side of the ridge, and well, and shoot, and just killing an animal you appreciate it a lot more than growing up shotgun hunting. You know, growing up you just shoot it, and that was the end of it. Right. You right. got it in, you took it to the butcher mm-hmm. shop. You know. Right. Right. Didn't think anything about it. So that give. Let's do this right now before we move on to other topics. While we're still talking on like um, PA and getting into some of the deer drives. Well, first of all, before we do, this, is there anything that we should cover about PA? I know there's something, a listener will hit us up about something we missed, but. Um, I mean, we talked about kind of like some of the tradition, the seasons, what you, what we like, what we don't like, uh, what works, what doesn't work. Um, it's interesting for sure. I would like to go. I would I would hunt it one day for sure. I'd like to go oh, out yeah. there and just look at the country. I bet it's beautiful out there. Yeah, likewise, man, that'd be cool. It is. I have what I like about where I hunt. So I said there there are a lot of smaller properties. Like fifty acres is a where I am. Fifty acres is a good sized property, and. My, that's what my husband and I just bought 50 acres. We bought an old farmhouse. 
on 50 acres at an auction, actually. And we bought it purely because it was the most beautiful 50 acres we ever saw. We didn't give a shit about the house. Um, <laughs> we're fixing it up, you know. Yeah. That tells you, like, what how much we're end up hunting. Um, and But what I like about the way I hunt is I either have permission on a lot of different pieces or my family has a couple small pieces. I have a small piece. You know, my husband has a small piece. and But I, I get to see how dear how differently it can vary from property to property mm-hmm. and so like one day the 50 acres i live on you know one day that could be real hot and dead the next but the next day it could be real hot at my dad's house right mm-hmm. so it's kind of nice not having i mean it's a it's a blessing and a curse right like not having a big piece because you deal with a lot more pressure with all your neighbors and everything hunting but you have different pieces that are good on different days and for different for morning or for evening or for different wind directions. Like, so I hunt a lot of different places and it's kind of nice, um, for different reasons. But I think, you know, the, the property that we bought is so for example, the square that I hunt in, and I mean, pretty much everything's a square out here. The square that I hunt in is about one square mile. Um, I know of probably 10 different people that bow hunt it and Mm -hmm. that's a low pressure square, right? I feel like our prayer, our square does not get a lot of hunting pressure and that's 10 people. I wonder what that would compare for like Illinois and Iowa. Yeah. You take a mile square, how many bow hunters of of like decent hunting, like timber, how many bow hunters do you think on average there would be? It all, it's all situational. Yeah, so that might say, be impossible. If you're it's talking first week in November, it might surprise you. But if you're talking first week in December, you're going to have 10% of what you had the yeah, first week in November. Yeah, that's a very good point. Like the, and I'm sure that's, it's relatively the same in PA. Yeah. Um, that's it. Oh yeah. There's a lot of people don't even go out till like October 28th. And I'm like kind of the opposite. Well, not the opposite. Cause I, I like hunting the rut, but I love early season. I love late season. Cause I feel like I can figure out a deer better. Right. Right. That makes sense. Well, let's get into that here in a second, but let's do this segment real quick. This is the we, – we saved the unpopular opinion segment for you uh, just because we wanted you to be a part of this convo. Um, that way, if we sound like dickbags, you're you're a dickbag with us. You know? yeah. <laughs> we're bringing you down with us. You know, if we're going to have a guest and we're going to look like assholes, they're going to look like <laughs> assholes too. Welcome to Working Class Bow Hunter. Um, uh, Mr. Hunter Logan writes in for the unpopular – unpopular opinion segment he says deer drives are not hunting he had a question mark on the end question so I emphasized on that. deer drives are not hunting that would be the un- and, and by the way that doesn't mean he believes this these are mostly just to stir up a conversation yeah. kind and of stir in the pot a little bit and then it tends to piss people off on the internet which i'm about over um honestly <laughs> i'm about to delete our facebook page um in our group i like it um but thank you, Hunter Logan, for really getting ready to stir some shit up with us. Um, that's that's great. Um, deer drives are not hunting, and we are going to start with uh, our guest on this one and let her let her start, and we'll just continue to just bury this one into the dirt. How's that? All right. I, I think it is hunting. I think it's just a different style of hunting. Um, if I mean, being a bow hunter, it sucks to see, but it happens. Uh, as long as you're, I mean, as long as you're confident in your shot, but the thing is how many people practice taking ethical running shots? You can't practice taking 
a running shot at a deer. Um, I don't know. It's hunting. It's just a different style of hunting that I don't really like. You're not a fan <laughs> of it. That's fair. That's a respectful, clear way to put it. Eric, what do you think? I am not a fan of it anymore. Like, I'm glad I grew up doing it and grew up that way doing it. Yeah, you know. I know. I've been there. Um, but now it's just cringy when – right now in shotgun, I drive around on the weekends and around my spots when you see just a bunch of orange in there and you're like, Ooh, boy. Yikes. And then you're just waiting for the trail camera to go off and see, see who made it or not, you know. It's, yeah, yeah. But it's still – I mean, a lot of people still do it, enjoy it, and I get that. Fair. The Lord. Well, we're all bow hunters. We're sitting here, and I think all of us are probably on the same page. Mm -hmm. we, we would rather not see it happen, but I'm on both sides of the fence because when I was 13, you know, getting into shotgun hunting here in Illinois, uh, that deer drives were a part of shotgun hunting. You know, you yep. go out, you hunt the mornings, and you hunt the evenings, and in between, you get the boys together, drink beer, and run through some pieces, and we mm -hmm. had a blast doing it. I mean, it's a riot, but yeah. it's uh, – when you're a bow hunter, it makes you kind of cringe when you see the truck start rolling in. So, right, oh, yeah, I uh, I can see both sides of that argument. Is it hunting? I would say that it is hunting, but okay. it it can get pretty sloppy. <laughs> <laughs> Doug, <laughs> I, I, I agree. I agree with the Lord. It is hunting, and uh, I grew up doing it too. And I understand it. I understand why people do it because I mean you got a short span to hunt, right? But uh, I mean, as a bow hunter, you don't like to see it anymore, but. It yeah. is what it is. As long as you're safe. As long as you're safe about it and smart, but I know you don't see that too much. Here's what I think. Uh, is it hunting? Maybe. And the reason why I say is because I think there is ways to do a deer drive that might be effective to where you're not necessarily running a deer to exhaustion and then blasting at him like he's yep. – you know, a terrorist. Maybe pushing some scent in there. A pressure push is what we talked about. Pressure right. push. Yep. You so can... you let your scent float in there and just kind of gradually works the deer out, and maybe somebody's waiting on the other end. For yeah, them. you can almost do a pressure push like that with wind with a bow. Archery tackle. That's, you know, that'd be fun. Um, that, but, and I don't think that's, I'm, we're kind of like riding the gray area with this question, because is it hunting or is it not? I think... You know, I'm going to be the guy that kind of stiffs this a little bit just to make it interesting. Um, I've been on two deer drives. Have I been the driver? No. Have I ever killed a deer in a deer drive? No. And I've muzzleloader is what I had. So, so you're uh, always a sitter. I was a sitter. Um, I've been twice. It was when I was young. And I'll be honest, I wasn't a fan of it uh, then. And that's how I know I don't like it. I don't think it's hunting when you consider the classic deer drive, the running through and deer running you hear guys blasting off 12 shots and it's going crazy that i don't think is hunting there's no tactic in the hunt there's no real strategy in the hunt with that it's kind of well there's a hedgerow let's walk through it and blast anything that runs out yeah, just because yeah. we want to kill something you lose the romance of that encounter it kind lose of the romance yeah. <laughs> you kind of you kind of it kind of defeats the purpose for me the whole point is yeah. to have that encounter and and get your blood pumping in with a drive. It just seems like, yeah. well, there he goes, running by. Let's blast him. <laughs> right. And, and perspectives change. Like we all talk, we've all said this pretty much. Like we've done it when we were younger. Yep. We've become experienced bow hunters. We've generated a love and a care for the game of what bow hunting is. And maybe games are not the right term, but the the strategy, the 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 effort, the planning, the 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 love of what it all encompasses of being a successful bow hunter on certain deer. That is all out the window with that, and I think it, there's. It's kind of like the dude that goes and plays pig, and, and here I am making another basketball reference. <laughs> going to play pig at the fucking park, 
or a dude that's really trying to to do something good, you know, and sink three pointers every time, you know. It's like chess and checkers, you know. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's a better comparison. Um, chess, it ain't checkers. So there it is. There's the unpopular but opinion segment. Go can ahead. I say how it relates to Pennsylvania though? Is I've heard a lot of people complaining lately in Pennsylvania that in gun season they're just not seeing nearly as many deer as they used to ten or twenty years ago, and they're saying, "Oh, there's no deer here. There's no deer here." And I'll tell you, that's not true. There's a ton of deer here. I think the problem is, and I don't know that it's a problem, but I think what's happening is there are less people doing deer drives and more people sitting in box blinds. And so the deer aren't moving all day long in gun season like they used to. They're moving naturally. So it forces people to, like, have to actually do something and figure it out rather than sit in their box blind all day. Interesting take. That's probably... Spot on, I would say. That makes yep. perfect sense. It's um, Patience is a learned thing, and it's hard to expect someone that only hunts a week a year to have the same patience as a bow hunter and figure oh, things out, you know, because it, it's a learn Like, to sit there, it takes some skill, honestly. You know, it's it, it, it's different. Yeah. It's definitely different. Yeah. Well, that, that's cool. That was a good segment. I like that. Turned out way better than I thought. I thought we were going to really ruffle some feathers there, but we didn't. I don't think. I mean, no, somebody's going to be pissed no matter what we do. Oh, fuck. I said fuck. Everybody freak out. <laughs> I just read a forum that completely shit on us because we say fuck. We're the low-class bow hunters, what they said we should be called. Kurt said it hurt him deep inside. Deep down for a little bit, like, I was kind of bothered. I'm like, man, come on. Fuck you guys. Yeah. <laughs> come on, man. But uh, then I realized it's like, you know, if we if we didn't cuss and didn't do whatever we want to do, this wouldn't be any fun. That's why it's no. relatable. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck yourself. How yeah, about go that? Go fuck off. In your forum. <laughs> hey, go piss up a rope, pal. <laughs> go, go drill some holes in an aluminum tube or whatever you do. I don't know. Um, all right. Back to the podcast. Um, <laughs> I don't know. That's what they. It was the forum I was on, okay? Um, it was the drill holes in tubes forum. It's the it's cut the ends of your toothbrushes off forum. Low class bow hunter. I like that. That's kind of Should sweet. Should we change it? I would tomorrow. Should we make a, should we make a shirt? There's a lot of legal shitbag bow hunters. Hey, we'll probably do better. Um, let's talk about, so you killed a PA buck this year. I did kill a PA buck. Um, okay, yeah, we're kind of going backwards, but that's okay. Okay, so ju- here, here's why I wanted to go backwards, because we, we've just been on this PA train. Yeah. Um, so, well, we don't have to go backwards. It's your podcast. No, that's fine. Uh, yeah, I just killed a PA buck, what, last week, last Thursday, um, I don't know what day it is in podcast land, but podcast um, land. Nice reference. You're, you're part of the team. She, she is a listener. <laughs> yeah, she's a, she's a quick learner. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I did kill a PA bug. I honestly, I don't want this to sound the wrong way, but I did the right thing. I killed a wounded buck. He was already wounded when I saw him, and I felt the need to put him out of his misery. So I did kill a PA buck. It was nowhere near, I guess, the caliber caliber of buck that I had my heart set on. I um, was fully prepared to actually take my PA tag into late season because we have a killer late late season food plot this year. Um, And I had a couple bucks on camera that are still alive that I was really hoping to get a shot at with my bow. But I had a good season, and I'm sure we're going to do this, but I had a good season in you know, Montana and Ohio with my bow. So I came to terms with the fact that I, I use my PA tag on a, a gun, you know, a average gun buck, I guess. That's doing the right thing though. Yeah. It's a tough call to make. Yeah. I mean, I guess I've got to, 
I've got a soft heart. I'm still, you know, a girl when it comes to seeing wounded animals. And, um, I mean, he was a good buck. He's a respectable buck. And I, I even feel bad calling him average because I think he's probably above average for a Pennsylvania buck. Uh, but for me, you know, I'm looking for that that buck that gets me really excited. And what would really do, what do would, that. What would get you excited in PA? Um... I don't, right now, honestly, it's, I mean, it's, I don't even want to say, like, it's not a score. It's just having the history and kind of having that chess match with them. That's what I really like. Yeah. Um, so I had, I have a buck on camera that I believe is still alive. I don't know for sure because I don't have any recent pictures of him. Um, but I believe he's still alive and he's a six and a half year old buck. I've been following him for four years. I have his sheds from last year. He is a giant by any standards, not just PA standards. Um, and I really kind of had my heart set on him or nothing because, like I said, I already had a good season in other states. And, you know, I've been trying to figure him out. And I actually, I mean, I found his sheds, like, in his bed. I So now I know where he bedded a lot. Um, I saw him come out of that bedding area a lot in the summer when I was kind of glassing fields in the evening. And um, so I kind of had my heart set on one buck. And... It just it was kind of a tough pill to swallow, but I just I knew I had to do the right thing. Hey, I praise you for that. I think that's great. I didn't. I got sent a video of somebody that's well known in the game that filmed a buck that had a huge wound in his back, like at ten yards, and didn't do anything about it. And I, to me, that's kind of rough. Oh yeah, um, that's a tough call to make. I would, you know, it depends that on the wound rough. and all that, but you know. That's kind of an honorable thing to do in my in my book. So I, I praise you for that. I think you did the right thing. I think that speaks volumes about your ethics and your personality and who you are as a person. So congrats on that. That's that's really kick ass. And that was a stud buck too that you shot. That's and what I thought too. I thought it was a, kill, a stud. <laughs> Thank um, you. Well, you know it was kind of special because I was hunting with my dad, which I don't. I mean, archery season I hunt alone all year. I don't normally hunt with anybody unless it's gun season, and one of us is tagged out because if we both had tags, we'd you know, be throwing elbows at each other in the blind. But um, I was talking with my dad, so it's kind of special. It's just not something I do often these days. And um, he was only walking on three legs, this this buck. And you could just tell he was was struggling. We had over a foot of snow. And he – and actually, I probably could have called the game commission and um, forfeited the deer and got a new tag because the meat wasn't any good. But – even then, it's like, I don't need to shoot another buck. If I, I have plenty of doe tags because we got um, we got extra doe tags for, like, crop damage. So it's like, if I need more meat, which I really don't. I mean, we eat, all, we eat venison every day, um, but I got an elk this year and, and stuff. So it's like, we didn't really need the meat, so I don't need to kill more deer. Um, right, right. So I don't know. I could have I called the game commission and got an, a replacement tag, but I don't really need to kill another buck. So that's fair. So fair. Yeah. Can, can you shoot a buck with your bow now then too, or is it just one of no. the, no, no, one and done, one, huh? one and done. One. Yeah. Pennsylvania is a one buck state. I mean, no matter the weapon. Um, I, like I said, I've got a few do- or several doe tags that I probably will use a couple of on our own property in late season. Um, and either like we'll turn that meat into snack sticks or something or, or we'll give it to some of our friends that don't hunt or friends and family that just didn't get a deer um, just to kind of manage the does on our property because there's yeah. nights where I see, you know, 
dozens of does and not a single buck. Right. Well, hey, for time's sake, let's move on. Um, I know you had – we're going back – we are going backwards here, but I, I just want to go in, uh, like, relation from topic to topic, you know. Um, you killed a buck in Ohio. Yes. <laughs> I Yeah, I killed a, a buck in Ohio with my bow, so that was exciting. Um, we got a – so I've hunted Ohio for the past, I don't know, two or three years, but just, like, northeastern Ohio, which is only, like, 30 minutes from my house. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really wanted to hunt southern Ohio So I knew, like – there's just been a lot of big bucks coming out of that area. And so I've, I've had my eye on, I've been looking for a lease for a couple of years and I have a group of you know, my husband, my dad, my father-in-law and a couple of our buddies that wanted to go together and get a lease. And, you know, I, I kind of felt like a lot of pressure being the one to pick the lease, but they kind of put me in charge of it. And I've been looking at different properties for a couple of years. And I finally found one that I felt like, you know, was a good fit for our group of guys. And all I'm going to say real quick is Ohio has been on this podcast radar lately. And I think we should all pitch in and get a working class Ohio lease. <laughs> yes. That's a lot of pressure to choose. Uh, everyone's relying on you to choose the lease. Like, so what's this place suck? Well, here's what we'll do. <laughs> Listeners out there. If you guys know of a piece of property for a lease in Ohio, send it our way. We'll, um, we'll have Rachel it. take a, a peek over it. Yeah. Let us know. And then we'll negotiate price with her math brain yeah um, the, so <laughs> note to you sure don't try numbers. and fuck us because we'll show you the facts i'm just kidding but if you have at least send it over we'll look at it yeah <laughs> sorry about that i had to just make a claim or, here. or just invite me over hey, i'm going okay. to ohio yeah no I, I mean we'll just all go to clint's house um, there we go i'm bringing drew carey with me <laughs> but no so i so i got this lease and um honestly like the way i had to get it i had to basically buy it sight unseen because I knew it would just go that quickly. And so then we all, it was in the spring and like, so we all went down to just kind of scout it one weekend and everyone else was kind of like, this place sucks. What were you thinking? You know, and I'm just like, fuck. <laughs> I'd be so worried. I'm, I'm I think like, that would do that. <laughs> oh, after you had already so, bought it, you guys went and scouted it. Yeah. Okay. So I'm following felt, you. Then I felt shitty. So like I'm wasting everyone's money, you know, it's like we already paid for it. Um, but it, to me, Okay. I had only scout. I had only like e scouted it, right? Like just looking at maps, and it looked good to me. And then we went and boots on the ground, and everyone's like, "This sucks." And so, <laughs> good job, Rachel. So <laughs> I don't I, know shit. Apparently, <laughs> way to go. Well, well, we were okay. So then, you know, we're getting ready, and like pretty much the same group of guys, we're getting ready to go on an elk hunt out to Montana this fall. So all we really had time to do. So okay, so baiting is legal in Ohio, but our theory was. We can't compete with neighboring properties that keep bait out constantly. Like, we live four hours, four and a half hours away from this property. We just can't keep bait there. So, I mean, we're just going to rely on, like, traditional taxes, tactics that we would do in Pennsylvania where we can't bait. And, you know, that's, like, pinch points, funnels, that's scrapes, that's, you know, just typical non-baiting tactics. And... um so anyway, we go down in, I think, August, and we hang some stands and set out some cameras, and that was that was it. That's all we got to do for the property, and then we got ready to go to Montana in September. Well, I put out a cell camera, and this is the first time I've used cell cameras, and I didn't, the, there was, like, no service on the property, so... There was only, like, one place on the whole property that I could get good enough service to put my cell camera on top of this ridge. And 
I also hung a stand nearby, and everyone else is like, this is a stupid spot, you know? And I'm like, I, I don't know. I, I like the looks of this spot. Um, it was kind of like on a bench towards the top of the ridge, and I don't know. I, I, I like the spot. I hung a stand there, and I hung my, my cell camera there. Well, the first – I shit you not. The first buck we got on camera – was probably a 180 inch deer and i've I've never like i've never seen a buck that big and i actually sent it to clint and i've you know i've become good friends with clint over the past couple years and i sent it to clint and i'm like is this fucking normal for ohio because like we don't have this shit ohio's got got the biggest deer that's where all the record bucks are coming out of ohio i heard i guarantee i knew what happened clint called you and freaked the fuck out you need yeah. to be in there, and you need to be ready for first four days of season. You want to get it there and Just kill them. screaming at you. Listen, slug two exactly. bush lights and get the fuck in there. Is that what he did? <laughs> That's exactly how it went. It's funny because I was listening to... <laughs> Sounds like him. It's funny. I was listening to your episode with Emily, and where like he did the same thing to her, and it worked out a lot better for her than it did for me, by the way. But he did the same thing. He's like, you got to get down there, because what happened was, the first week of October, which was his red moon days, there I had on cell camera three days in a row. I had that buck in daylight by 20 yards from my stand on my cell camera. God, and I'd be here I am. There. I'm in Pennsylvania, and I I'd can't do anything sick. about it. Yeah. Oh, so Clint, Clint's like, you got to get down there. You got to get down there right fucking now and (laughs) so it was like a thursday right or no it was a wednesday night i i text clint and i was like that's the third time this week he's been by my stand he goes you gotta go tomorrow drop everything go tomorrow so i took thursday off work i couldn't get anybody to go with me and so i took thursday off work i drove four and a half hours by myself and here i'm thinking it's the first week of october um why would i hunt mornings you know so I drive down in the morning and I get there early afternoon, four and a half hour drive. I have to hang my stand. It's like 70 degrees. Cause, oh, so we only pre-hung six and cause we didn't, there's six of us and I don't know, we didn't want to hang like a bunch of stands. We just, I didn't want to have to buy that. We're working class, right? Like we don't have to buy that many extra stands for our lease. So we're like, we'll yep. hang sticks. Everyone can carry their stand in every time they go and you know, that way we only need six stands, even though we have like twelve sticks. Right, um, makes sense. So you're like, I like, I like so, the tactic. It's like mobile, but but kind of thought mobile, out. Mobile, but not. Yeah. So I get down there early afternoon. I, I'm like, it's a mile walk. It was I, I tracked it on my Garmin. It was like point nine something miles to my stand. Mile walk, but if it's and, on the internet, it was eight. Up the hill, <laughs> it was like seventy degrees. I'm like sweating my ass off. I'm like this is stupid. I drove all this way. Now I'm sweaty. Now I'm stinky, and I'm trying to hang my stand. My arms. I told you I'm five feet tall. My arms are like two feet long. I can't get this stand hung. I'm cussing Clint out for t- convincing me that this was a good idea. <laughs> you fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> I get the stand hung. And then I'm like, this is stupid. I made noise. I am stinky. I'm not going to see a deer. And and I didn't. I didn't see a deer. Like I said, it worked out a lot better for Emily. Uh, so. Well, here's the thing. I, In Clint's defense, if you would have killed them, you'd be singing a different tune. Better to oh, try yeah. than not. Yeah, yeah for well, sure. Well, here's what happened, though, is 
my cell camera, because it has shitty service, the battery drains quickly. So what I instead of having it send me a picture every single time it it's triggered, um, I have it send me a picture once a day or send me all the pictures once a day. And so after dark, I get out of there, I get back to my truck, I drive four and a half hours home, and I so I, now I've drove nine hours to hunt like three. And I call a client on the way home, and I'm like, that was fucking stupid, I can't believe you convinced me to do that. And he's like, oh, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding, I'm not kidding, that was the night he podcasted with you. So anyway, um, but while I'm, I'm halfway oh, home, I'm halfway home and my cell camera, my pictures for the whole day come in. That motherfucker was at my stand at 9.30 in the morning in early October. I should have been, I should have been there the whole day, but who would hunt? I mean, I never thought of hunting a morning. I don't know. I was so, now I'm like, what do I do? Do I turn around, go back, call in sick on Friday and hunt? hunt the morning on Friday, maybe I'll do it again. And I'm like, no, I can't lose my job over this. Like I have to go back to work. So I kept driving home. I got home at like one in the morning and it was stupid. So <laughs> that's, that's my Ohio season started, but that's the buck I really like had my heart on heart set on in Ohio. But Hey, listen, ended up- Clint, Clint made the right call for you. He convinced you to do the right thing. It's just, I know your swing through wasn't there. It's all good though. It can't. It, it can't. Yeah, it doesn't always play out. It can't always be right yeah. on. You know. Oh no. Um, no, it was. It was funny though. But then, so then after <laughs> that, because originally my plan for hunting Ohio, because it's a four and a half hour drive, I'm thinking I'm not going to hunt that till late October when I can actually start hunting all day long. Like, why would I drive down there to only hunt the evening? And but now my plans changed. I was like, well, if I've got that kind of bucks on camera, um. I'll hunt there early season too. So I started going down to Ohio every weekend in October and I barely had a PA. Well, the, I don't know, the third weekend I went down there, my, my husband couldn't go. He had to work. So I convinced my father and my dad couldn't go. I don't know. I convinced my father-in-law to go. So I'm like, sorry, husband, me and your dad are going on a hunting trip and we left and we get down there and, uh, Oh, so I had seen there's the way we walk into this is so hard to explain the way we walk into this property there's like a couple old overgrown ag fields with a creek bottom running through and it's a row of very old mature oaks um that line this this creek bottom between the two two over old overgrown ag fields right and then um like, once you get past those fields, then it's just a lot of timber, um, a good section of bedding. Like, it's a, it's a clean property. But so we had kind of walked past that creek bottom a, a lot and, and never really noticed it. But the one time I walked by, I'm like, there's three scrapes in a row under this one oak tree. I'm just going to put a camera there. Well, I put a camera there, and instantly we got pictures of bucks hitting that camera in the mornings in daylight. And so I thought, like, this is kind of a weird spot to hunt in the morning. Like, you know, I, I don't normally hunt field edges in mornings, but, mm-hmm. I mean, they're there. So so we go down. This is October 23rd, and it's going to be, like, 80 degrees that day. And it just seemed the next day it was only going to be 50 degrees. So 
I thought the following day was going to be the good day to kill. But I, I, in the morning, I go in and I sit this one row of trees on the creek bottom um, near that scrape. And I mean, I was in the stand. I'm thinking, this is stupid. Why am I doing this? I know better than to hunt a field edge in the morning. Right. This is the dumbest idea you ever had. And then like 45 minutes into daylight, here comes Buck. And all I see is antlers going through this tall grass. Because like, like I said, these are old ag fields that are just overgrown mm-hmm. and haven't been farmed in ever, forever. And he's walking away from me. And I'm like, wow, that's a really good buck. Like, that's a shooter. But he's walking away from me. Well, all of a sudden he turns and he starts walking towards me. I'm like, why the fuck? Like, why did he just turn like that? And <laughs> why I, the I, fuck? I couldn't. I mean, I mad about it? him. I didn't call him. I didn't nothing. And I'm like, why did he just turn and start walking towards me? That's weird. Well, I couldn't see, but he was trailing a doe, and like that's how overgrown these fields are. And so the doe kind of crosses through a shooting range I had. I range her at 30 yards, and I get ready, thinking he's going to pass through that that same shooting lane. And all of a sudden, I see another buck behind him, and now. Both bucks, this is October 23rd, mind you, both bucks start chasing this doe back and forth in front of me. And the other one was actually bigger, but I told myself, like, both of them are shooters. I'm, I've hunted PA my whole life. To me, I, I'm just not at the point where I can pass 130-inch deer, and I knew both of them were over 130, or around there at least. And so I said, whichever one gives you a shot first, got to take that buck. And so the smaller of the two... Um, he kind of peeled away from that doe. He came up and hit the scrape right in front of me. It was like 18 yards. And then he turned and he starts walking just broadside at, at broadside and like towards that doe. And he stops, stops on his own. I didn't have to stop him. And, you know, I drew back. I settled my pen right behind his shoulder. And I just remember in that moment telling myself like back off that shoulder. Cause all summer, you know, I had been shooting like 80, hundred yards, just like, practicing for my elk hunt Mm -hmm. and I remember just telling myself like back off that shoulder and like yes it's a chip shot but don't fuck it up and I don't know if I backed off too far or if he took a step or what but I remember as soon as I shot I saw it hit and pass through but like that high and back and I'm like shit immediately I'm like that's liver you know, you're going to wait a couple hours. It's going to be 80 degrees. We're only a couple hundred yards from the neighbors. You never know. Like, I don't know the area. Like, this sucks. I just start panicking. But as I watched him run off, I saw it, like, in slow motion. I can just replay this in my head. I just saw blood pouring from mm. him. And in the business watched now. Him go, yeah, watched him go down. It was the coolest shit. That was my that was with my Clyde arrow. So oh, Clint cool. was like, yeah, Clint was one of the first um, calls I made. Or I texted him. I said, big buck down. He called me right away. He's at work. And uh, he was just so, so pumped up. Um, so, yeah, it was it was just a really cool morning where I was like, I doubted myself. Like, why would you sit? I feel that in the morning. It's just stupid. But, it, I mean, it paid off. It just goes and, to show that you can't take one tactic or one thing that people say and apply it to all situations. Mm-hmm. Like, we can sit here and get the best person that – knows how to hunt deer in X situation 
everything with hunting is situational. Not everything applies across the board. And especially on a new yep. property. You oh, don't yeah. know that yep. new property for, you know. Right. Good, you for, good it. for you reading the intel that you had, having those Absolutely. that trail camera going and seeing those pictures in the yep. morning in the daylight. I mean, good for you. You did the right thing. Well, that right there just proves, like, that is why it's dumb to argue on Facebook. Like, everybody oh, yeah. does. Like, you go through our unpopular opinion. There's a lot of funny. And people are doing over-the-top sarcasm-type topics for funny us to, stuff for which us to do we it, appreciate but, but i mean there's people that take that type of thread and apply it anywhere and people will argue to the death over it. it's like yo bro until you kill the deer doing something like you don't have an argument here right you know like shut your fucking mouth you didn't <laughs> you don't know anything about what you're talking about so that's great yeah. though that's awesome i mean that, like you took the information you took a chance you went in and it worked out great for you absolutely yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's funny because I'm like, in my head, I'm also kind of like, haha, you guys thought this this property was going to suck, but like, <laughs> we've got we've got so many good bucks on camera, although they've struggled to hunt that lease ever since. Well, they're just since. not as good um, as a hunter as you. That's just plain and simple, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. <laughs> so the question is, are you going to lease it next year? Yeah, um, I don't I mean, Yeah, but she's got to fork up great, all the money. Yeah. It's a, yeah. It's a great, um, yeah, and it's a great property. We've just had some issues with, like, the landowner and stuff, so that's a whole other conversation. Well, if the other guys don't want to lease it, I think we got a group of working-class bowhunter guys that probably go down we'll on it. We'll be your so. best yes. friends. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. We'll podcast every you time we what? hunt. You know what's so fun about – and, like, people kind of hate on having leases and stuff, but you know what's so fun about it is, like, we bought a little pop-up camper, and we leave it down there so that we don't have to tow it back and forth. And it's just, like, a mini little deer camp. It's, like, when I hunt around my house, I come home, and I'm like, okay, now I'm going to clean, now I'm going to cook, now i got all these other things i got to be doing. But it's, like, when I'm down there, you're going to come back and hunt, and it's just, like, you sit around, camp, and drink a beer, and you don't give a shit about anything else that's going on. And I just, love I love it. So, yeah, I definitely want to keep it. Well, cool. Congrats on that. Two states, two um, two success, success stories. Sorry, the bush light. Um, <laughs> well, let's talk about elk because you kept mentioning, like, you know, I was getting ready for elk in Montana. And, Montana. And, and you kept kind of dropping hints there. And let's talk about five foot nothing Rachel going to walk <laughs> up some mountains and shit. Oh, my God. I And that's – I think I'm more proud of my elk than any buck I've ever killed. And, I, I mean, I love deer hunt. Like, if I had to choose, I would deer hunt, but – I'm so proud of that elk. Um, we went elk hunting in 2019. That was the first time I ever went out west. And, you know, I thought I prepared really well for it. I knew what to expect. But it's like, no matter how much you prepare, if you've never been out west, like just driving in and seeing the mountains, you're like, holy fuck. Like, <laughs> I'm a flatlander, you know? And, <laughs> what are these things? <laughs> what are those? Just, <laughs> what are those? I'm going to start with, okay, so it all started, too, because I uh, I went to a gun raffle back home with one of my girlfriends, and we got seated at this at a table with, like, some old guys, and I mean, no offense to them, but they're, you know, they're old school, and they're like, oh, do you hunt? And I'm like, yeah, I hunt, you know, mostly deer, I've killed a lot of good deer, you know, but I'm going to go elk hunting this year, and the guy, like, laughed in my face. And, really? Really? Yeah, and he goes, well, with a gun? I was like, no, with my bow. And he literally is like, you can't do that. You can't, you know, you're, you can't kill an elk. And I'm like, the fuck I can't. Do you know his name? And, and, um, do you know his name? Call him out right now. What's Put him on name? blast. Put him on blast. I don't know. His, I wish I did because I'll tell you, once I killed my bull, all I wanted to do 
was like when we were recording that when we were recording that bowl, all I want to do is cut his nuts off and mail it to this guy. (laughs) (laughs) Nail to his front door. Just the sack. I was just so pissed because I mean, (laughs) I don't give a shit what what people think, but like he made me doubt myself, and I hate that. You know what I mean? but I get it, you know, he's kind of, and so he, what he did was he's like, well, tell me you're going with an outfit, and I was like, no, we're going publicly, and like, do it yourself, and he's like, you're wasting your time, here's an outfitter's number, you call him, and I'm like, you know what, not everyone can afford to go with an outfitter, and personally, yeah, maybe I could go with an outfitter, but I like doing shit myself, I would rather sail and like, have learned something, you know, or just, I mean, we do everything ourselves from, um, it's like even even uh processing our deer like we we build a walk-in cooler and we do everything ourselves and i just i don't like relying on other people for me it's part of the experience and mm-hmm. um like even tuning my own bow you know what i mean my my husband will not touch my bow he is he was a bow guy growing up worked at his dad's bow shop but he will not touch my bow because he's like no i can't be your husband and your bow tech, like I, <laughs> he's like, if I fuck something up, you're gonna be pissed. So he teaches me how to do it. I do it myself. And very cool. So I'm like, you know, I was like, I appreciate you giving me this outfitter's number, but like, I'm, we're going publicly. But and kick I just, rocks, bud. That's what you should <laughs> yeah. do, man. That's working class for you. Yeah, that's very but cool. It, but I mean, how cocky crazy. of him? Like, what a that a hole? That's the same dude that's on forums cussing about how we say the f bomb. That's that guy. Fuck you. So, hey, yeah. there it is. Sorry, got out of my system. Back to your story. No, exactly. <laughs> I just, I left the table, because we had, like, a signed seating, so I left the table, and I just went sat at the bar the rest of the night, because I didn't want to talk to him. Nice. But, I mean, it just sucked, because he did. He, like, I mean, in, in a way, he made me doubt myself, but in a way, he made me work harder, because that's just, like, how I'm I'm motivated. Yeah, like, I can't fail Oh, now. I'm going to prove you wrong. And, oh, absolutely, yeah. You done fucked up. And then, and, like, Andy, my husband, did the same thing when, uh, when I started, so he goes, if we're going elk hunting, you got to know how to bugle. And so I would practice bugling, practice bugling. And I would never let him hear me because he'd make fun of me. So, like, I would practice while he was at work. And one day he comes home and he and, – and, like, I I work – you know, I use mouth calls, turkey calling growing up. But um, elk calling is way different. So, like, oh, I can do this, you know. And it's, it's hard. But he comes home one day and I was like, listen, I get bugle. And I – I let it be a bit rip, and Andy's like, I mean, it was all right, but it needs some work. And I was so deflated because I was like, so <laughs> proud of it. You know, like, I mean, really, I thought that was really good. But he, and, and, uh, like, months later, he told me, he's like, no, that bugle was really good. I just knew if I told you it sucked that you would work harder because, like, that, that's what motivates me, you Man, know? Those mind games. And nice. Mind games. Get out yeah, of my head. So, I mean, so elk hunting, like, the first year we went, I knew what to expect. I knew it was a very low probability of us having any success. But, you know, we, in a week's time, I think we hiked, like, 80 miles. We had three really close encounters. Like, I drew back on a bull. I just couldn't get a shot. Um, like, I considered it a success, right? Like, we we had a blast. And then, but I wanted to go back a second year. So this year, 2020, um, we went back um, to Montana again, and it's. I mean, I just worked so much harder preparing, 
and just kind of learning about everything and e-scouting, but also like I bought a pass to our local ski resort. I hiked up, I would like load up my pack with a bunch of weight and hike up the ski slopes all summer long to kind of train. Um, That's a really good idea. Yeah. <laughs> that is a good I idea. Mean, and tuning my boat, like I, I really fine tuned my setup this year. I got as heavy as an arrow as I could and, um, you know, made sure my broadheads, I, I use a fixed blade, made sure my broadheads were flying perfect with my field points out to 60. Like I, and Andy, he was, it was so funny because he would sit in his lawn chair and you just like have a beer and watch me. And I would get so pissed off because, you know, I had my field points, I was shooting out to like a hundred yards with my field points. And then I put my broadheads on and they just like weren't tuned right. And people, you know, again, that's another thing people hate on is fixed blade broadheads, but it's like, if your bow's tuned right, you can get them to fly right. Right. So mm-hmm. I, he would sit there and watch me and just laugh at me because I'm getting so pissed off. And it's like, once you're pissed off and you're shooting your boat, you're not going to shoot. Yeah. Your boat you're done. Well. You're so done. You might as well You've got to come back the next day. And so it's like day after day. And finally I got my, I sighted my, I, okay, so this year I shot an IQ. I shot an HHA in the past, um, and I think I want to go back to an HHA, but I want to get that four pin because for me there is a huge difference between 20 and 30 and 30 and 40, and if I don't have time to adjust that, it bothers me. So I, I kind of want to go to their HHA four pin where you do You have mean for, like, your poundage and draw length and all that? Yeah, because I yeah, the short. Oh, that makes sense. Never thought about that. Lower poundage, you know. But I I worked to to increase my poundage and stuff. And and so, but he was sitting there watching me. And finally, one day I got it where my broad had flew perfect in my field point at 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, like five shots in a row. And I literally, I just wanted to like spike my bow and be like, fuck yes. (laughs) (laughs) You shit asshole. But I obviously didn't want to do that. But so anyway, that's like that was like two weeks before we went out of Montana, and I was just so confident in my shot. So we get out there and like, and we drive thirty. Hours. This was we got married this summer, so this was our honeymoon. I called it our hunting moon. Um, was going to <laughs> Montana. Nice. Pretty good deal there. I, <laughs> so uh, we get out there. We drive thirty hours straight to get there because I'm like, look, if we're if we're uh, you know taking two weeks off work i'm not trying to stay in a hotel and like take my time like let's get out there and hunt so we drive 30 hours straight to get out there we get out there and like there's hunters everywhere that we planned on trying to set up our race camp and like plans a b c d e like everything's out the window and so we literally drove around another six hours driving around the mountains once we got there trying to find a place to set up our base camp and andy goes well hey, maybe we could just go to town, get a hotel for the night, have, like, a nice romantic honeymoon night, and then we'll hunt, we'll, we'll figure it out tomorrow. And I'm like, listen, I love you, and I would love to have a nice romantic night with you, but, like, I live with you, so we can do that later. Like, I came to hunt. <laughs> <laughs> so we finally found a place to camp, and, and he was like, that's why I married you, you know? So, um we finally found a place to camp at like right towards dark set up camp and next morning we're like all right let's kind of just scout the area because this wasn't an area we really planned on like i had e-started all these other areas and of course this isn't a place we really planned on hunting so we set out that next morning and sure shit we hear a bugle 
like Raiders were heading out of camp and I'm like, holy shit, like this is too good to be true. Like maybe it's a hunter. And we're like, well, let's close the distance before we start calling. And then, uh, and then, you know, we'll get a little closer and then, then we'll try to call. Well, so I looked on X and I'm like, all right, he looks like he's just down, you know, where it sounded like he came from. He's down this ridge. There's like this tiny little meadow, um, at kind of the point of this ridge and let's get, let's get down there and it's set up and then try to call. So we're not even 45 minutes into our hunt. Like we haven't even hiked. It was like three quarters of a mile and we were walking towards like where we want to go set up and, and I'm kind of leading and I'm like, Andy, there's an elk. There's a fucking elk right there, like a hundred <laughs> yards. <laughs> and I'm like, he's like, oh my god. Well, he said, how do you want to set up? I'm like, okay, well. And for you know, two idiots from Pennsylvania, like we didn't really know what we were doing. But I'm like, all right, well, the wind's coming this way, so why don't you drop back and off to the upwind side? And you know, we're already close, so don't bugle, but just cackle and see if you can get his interest. And that way, if he comes up towards you, he's coming upwind of me and maybe I can get a shot and so he drops back you know 30 yards off to my upwind side and he cow calls and sure as shit this bull picks his head up starts walking towards him I'm like oh my god this is this is happening so I start ranging trees and he gets closer and I'm like okay he's gonna walk by that tree behind that tree it's 40 yards when he's behind that tree I'm gonna draw back and but also at the same time, I'm thinking, well, this is cool. Like, it's our first morning and we already saw an elk. Like, you know, even if nothing else happens the rest of the trip, like, it was successful. And I'm like, wait, focus. Like, you actually might shoot this elk, you know? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, <laughs> so he wait goes behind that tree. I draw back and I'm like, oh, this is cool. Like, I'm at full draw on an elk, you know? Even if you don't kill him, like, this is cool. You drew back. Like, this is better than last year. And then he steps out uh, from behind that tree, and I I cow call so that he stops. And I'm thinking, oh my god, I'm like I'm gonna shoot this elk. And I don't, I kind of blacked out at that point. Like I knew he was at forty. I put my forty yard pin on him. I let it fly, and I mean it looked like it hit pretty good. It buried to the fletching, which like I was so pumped with. And I mean I know I knew I like I'm not gonna get a pass through an elk, and I he kind of disappeared, ran and disappeared over the ridge. And I look at Andy and I'm like, holy shit, did that just happen? Like we're literally (laughs) 45 minutes into our hunt. We're not even three quarters of a mile from camp. And I just killed a bull. And like last year we killed ourselves like 80 miles and didn't have that opportunity. Like it was, it was insane. So (laughs) yeah, that was my story. That's awesome. Drive 30 hours to hunt for an hour. (laughs) Well, it's funny. So, and then the other two guys that were coming with us, it was my father-in-law and our buddy Dave, they left later and they didn't, and they stayed overnight halfway. They didn't drive straight through like we did. And so I, I text, well, I know service, but I, on my Garmin in reach, I send them a message. I'm like, we already shot a bull <laughs> and they're like, they're like eight hours away. They're like, no fucking way. <laughs> and so they're trying to drive fast to get there. And, and, uh, Clint was in, I think Utah at the same time. And he was one of the first people I tagged him like bull down. He had a bull down t- or he was like, you know, I'm surrounded by bulls. I'm going to have a bull down shortly. I mean, it was, it was a pretty cool experience. That's badass. That is awesome. Yeah. That, congratulations. Yeah. That talk yeah, about congr- getting it done quick, man. That's, that's a season right there. 
Absolutely. Well, the best part about all of it is this bull. Okay, so I've tracked a lot of whitetail in my life. Like, I go on every possible track I can. I think it's probably my favorite part, even if like it wasn't my deer. I love tracking deer. And, you know, I always think deer run A, downhill, and towards water. Uh, so this elk, I'm thinking, he disappeared over the ridge. And I'm like, he probably went downhill towards the creek this way down there. And turns out he ran uphill and he died actually above camp. So our pack out and I, I don't know there's something fun about the misery of like packing out an elk. It's just satisfying and that sucks. And he, our pack out was a quarter mile downhill. That's it. (laughs) That's awesome. I mean, (laughs) <laughs> it was like the easiest pack out ever. And uh, my father-in-law picked up the head and the antlers. He wanted to pack that out. And I was like, uh-uh, get that off your pack. Like, no. get the fuck out. I'd have my head. <laughs> and so I packed it out. But the rest of the trip really was a struggle. Because then I call, I I was caller. Andy was shooter after that. And the cool, honestly, the harder part, I mean, I give Andy a lot of credit because he called up that bull in. But the harder part is calling. I mean, making the shot is really not that difficult. So after that, um, I was more pumped about getting a bull to respond to my bugle. Like when I bugled and I had a bull bugle back, that was the coolest thing. I felt like, okay, I just fooled a bull. He thinks I'm another bull. That's insane. Um, So we had a couple close encounters the rest of the trip, like trying to get Andy a bull, but no luck. Like the rest of the, the trip was a struggle. But it's just so fun. Like there's... Something fun about the struggle, you know. I mean, we laughed so hard. We like we hunt really hard, but we also like made sure it was fun. Um, yeah, you gotta, just, you gotta have you fun to stay sane there. That's the thing. Like, if you haven't hunted out for people who live out east, um, to hunt out west or even Midwest, like to hunt out west, it's just a it's just a different experience. It's it's just so cool. I definitely would need to go elk hunting very soon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's definitely yeah. on the bucket list. And true, too, like Doug said, like if you go out there and you don't even see a bull or hear a bull bugle for a whole week, it's like kind of. Yeah, it can be brutal. Yeah. That's awesome to have success in the first couple hours of the hunt. <laughs> first, usually doesn't first go that hour. That's <laughs> no, awesome. it never works out. And that's why I'm glad I struggled so much the first year. Yep. Right. Because I still feel like I earned it. You know? Yeah. It's more about. And it really was more about all the work I put in in the off-season kind of to, like, you know, physically be in shape, but also no, I mean, shooting to make sure I had the best possible setup for me because I do have a short draw length. I do have a lighter arrow, um, you know, just to make sure I, I could make that shot and make it count. And then – and even just to know how to set up, right, like when that situation presents itself, like – just to know how to execute in that moment and not panic. I mean, all of the work goes in, I mean, probably hundreds of hours of preparation, and it comes down to that second. And it's just, it's so cool. Absolutely. Well, I hope the guy that you sat down at the table with got to hear that podcast. Uh, I I mean, he probably won't. He's probably 80 years old. He probably doesn't know what a podcast probably is. Dead. But I just, dead. I just want to find that guy. Fuck you. I mean, I'm just like. Yeah, no, no I want to find that guy because that pissed me off. Rachel goes <laughs> to that same bar every night till she sees him again. <laughs> hey, asshole, come here and sit down next to me. I got Remember a story me? for you. Hey, you piece of shit, sit down. I'll buy you hams. <laughs> <laughs> buy you a boiler maker. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, Congrats. What a killer season, huh? Yeah. Taxidermy bill yeah. is expensive. Oh, my God. Well, it's funny because, like, my taxidermist started giving me a volume discount. <laughs> volume discount. <laughs> wow. You earned it, huh? Cocky. I like that. That's how well, well, you know things are going good. Yeah. yeah. Well, actually, so my taxidermist was kind of pissed at me last year because the buck I killed last year was a buck he had been I, – I live, like, a couple miles from my taxidermist, <laughs> and he uh, had been hunting the same buck, and I didn't know it. So I killed the buck. I put it on, you know, Facebook, and he texts me, and he goes – I've been on that buck all year. <laughs> Find a different taxidermist. You, you really pissed in his Cheerios that year, didn't you? Old barn yeah, taxidermy. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. funny. Well, congrats. Um, killer season for yep. five foot nothing. You're uh, you're sure acting like you're a lot bigger than that. Climbing mountains being five foot tall has to be exhausting. Well, I mean, it is, but I mean, that's just how like, I've always been is like, you just got to work harder than everybody else. And, and be like, I mean, being a woman too, I feel like, you know, you do get a lot of people like that, that doubt you yeah. or think you're doing it for the wrong reason or whatever. So it's just, you got to work harder to like prove yourself and earn some respect. And I, I, I mean, I may not be the best one in the world. I'm not a big buck killer, like compared to most of the people you talk to, but I worked my ass off and almost to the point where it's, it's maybe it's like embarrassing because it's like, well, she tries hard. Uh, <laughs> you little pat on the back. <laughs> well, don't, don't, I wouldn't put yourself down like that. I, I will tell you that I gave Dan or, you know, Daniel Wilson on the team and Emily Shad, I gave her the same thing and I'm going to give it to you. And I wish I had the sound effect right now where I could do the stamp. But you just got the bad bitch stamp of approval by working class <laughs> yep. bow. Oh, dang. Well, so, you man. tuned your own bow. You packed your own bull out. Learned to bugle. We didn't even talk about the insane shot you made on your buck with the with the rifle. How far was that buck? Uh, yeah, I mean, I almost didn't want to talk about that because. Well, I, I was just like, I was just trying to make a point that you seem very yeah. confident and very competent, calculated. Yep. Oh yeah, I mean, I've shot a lot of guns in my life, so uh, a lot of I wouldn't take that shot in a lot of circumstances, but this was the exact right circumstance, like. I wasn't nervous. Um, I there was snow just in case, like you needed to track or blood or whatever. Um, the buck was feeding. He was wounded to begin with, um, but yeah, it was a 400 yard shot, nine or 430 to be exact. But I mean, and, and people out west shoot that far all the time. But it's not something that people around here think is like an ethical shot. But you know, I knew the ballistics of my gun. I knew exactly where to aim. I I picked up that gun and I said, you know what, like, I'm just going to see if it feels right. If it, if I can't hold steady and doesn't feel right, I'm not taking the shot. It actually took me 20 minutes of watching him to convince myself, like, to take that shot. And I held real steady and I'm like, this, this feels pretty good. I'm just going to squeeze as slowly as possible so I don't flinch. So that it's kind of like that surprise trigger and it felt like the most perfect shot I'd ever made. And it was like, we walked up on him. I, I hit him in the heart at 430 yards oh, and just dropped oh, him in his tracks. Damn. That's extremely impressive. Absolutely. Yeah. Congrats on the season. Killer stories. You are <laughs> an excellent podcaster. Very good yep. storyteller. Yeah, yep. So I'm so nervous. Thank you. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm only like six bushels deep, so I'm not so nervous anymore. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for, for doing the podcast, being a huge supporter of ours, and congratulations on a killer, killer season. Um, for sure. We'll give you this time to 
plug whatever you need to plug, shout outs, anything like that? Uh, I mean, honestly, I want to shout out you guys. Thank you so much for, I don't know, giving me a shot because I know that, you know, like, I really, like, I'm nobody. I have no followers. This doesn't really do anything for you. Um, but, like, it's why people continue to listen to you, especially women, because, like, you've always just, I don't know, advocated for, for women like me who are out there getting it done, who aren't, like, you know, bending over, showing her ass in front of a trail camera. Like, we're actually out there getting it done. And, Classic. And, <laughs> and, I mean, I just, I appreciate it. Um, that's why I've, you know, been a listener for a really long time. And I, I don't know. I, lo- I love that you kind of take a chance on, on women like me, on Danielle and Emily, who are really, you know, just living it. For sure. Well, I mean, we try to focus as much attention as possible on people we think are doing it for the right reasons, and yep. that's really it. Sometimes our, we're off. Um, yeah. Sometimes we're spot on. You I know? think your actions this past season kind of speaks volumes about the type of hunter that you are. I think we made a pretty good call adding you to the team. <laughs> yep, for sure. For sure. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, where can people find you if they want to see the photos of some of the bucks you kill, the elk? I mean, do you, do you, you want to put any of that out? Uh, yeah, sure. So Rachel Bushack, which is, uh, like Bush beer, B-U-S-C-H with an A-K at the end, um, on Facebook, on Instagram, I'm Bitty Boosh. So Bitty, like B-I-T-T-Y, cause I'm small. And then Boosh, B-O-O-S-H, which, you know, just kind of short for like a nickname for Bushack. We, we get called Boosh. So, <laughs> Boosh, um, there you go. <laughs> I, I mean, you don't have to go follow me on it really. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I I like what I like about so I love and hate social media so much. Um, but I, what I love about social media is like I'm surrounded by a lot of people that don't hunt um, through my job, and I feel like I just I try to like show hunting in the best light possible. I mean, I've you know been in a lot of business meetings and stuff with people who are vegan or whatever, and just try to explain like what I do and why I do it. And I feel like you get a lot of respect actually more than you do hate if you talk about it in the right way. So you'll see just, that's kind of how I I tend to be on social media. That's fair. That's a good way to look at it too, because those people are always around and that's why we advocate for clean photos and doing things the right way. And, and just kind of explaining that, you know, if you have someone that's not a hunter, explain to them the business of it, like the, the ethics of it, the background of it, not just... And sometimes those can be the best conversations, too. Absolutely, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Yep. Well, I think you are a great person to represent hunting, um, especially in the atmosphere that you're surrounded by every day with your day job. Congratulations. Thank you so much for the support, and I really, really enjoyed this podcast. Yeah. And welcome to the team Thank also. You. Yeah, welcome Thank to the team. You. Oh, you know what else I haven't, didn't say? I've been dying to say? Fuck turkeys. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah. Oh hell my yeah. god. We're on the same we're on the same boat then, huh? Eric's over here just cheesing. Oh, yeah. Team oh, yeah. Eric. You know, yep. you know I I I kill a lot of turkeys when I was younger, but it just doesn't do it for me. Like doesn't but then like when I got into bowing, like I want to kill one with my bow and I did that and now I'm just I'm over it. 
Turkeys yep. are stupid. Exactly. Fuck turkey. So I just wanted Eric to know I'm on team. I think fuck I think we need a T-shirt that just says "fuck turkey." <laughs> a little, little up front. Maybe we'll just make maybe we'll make Easy a page on now. the website that just has like you at the top as like the fuck turkey's leader, and then like little square pictures of everybody that's on your cult. Of We're gonna change turkey. Eric's mind this year. We're gonna get him on a big old bird at Turkey Palooza, and he's just gonna fall in love. Well, with yeah, him. But I got him on yeah, one. But that happened last year. <laughs> he was excited for like point three. I didn't seconds. get a like, turkey last year because I got him on one and he's like i'm gonna fuck well, Eric, you, can be, you, can, you can be the camera guy for fuck turkey palooza that's there fine, you go that's fine fuck turkey palooza okay. i'll just be the bitch for everyone just perfect. Perfect. i'll be okay with that i love it i'll be the beer that's runner. great i almost forgot to say it i'm so glad i remember that it's great well thank you so much you're awesome congrats on the season yep. and i'm gonna close her out with a solid go shoot your bow we love you go out there and the fish are where you think they are, any one of these casts could be the bite. It's the most exciting fishing that I know right here at Hawks Cave. Oh, that's awesome. Experience the best saltwater fishing the world has to offer. Don't miss Thursdays with Saltwater Experience. Brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts. Every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. The destination for outdoor entertainment.